Welcome to another episode of Mama Earth Talk. I'm your host, Maris Canal. Realizing just how much waste we generate on a daily basis, I've set a personal goal not only to reduce, reuse, and recycle, but to also educate the world about sustainability and how each of us can help preserve our beautiful planet. Thanks for listening. Let's dig in. Hello, crazy birds. I hope you guys are doing super fantastic. What a week. What an amazing guest. But before I even go into the intro of the guest, today we are going to be talking about recycling, PPE and medical waste and actually making new PPE. And I just wanted to do kind of a full little disclosure on this so that there's no confusion about my views about actually recycling PET, the plastic clear water bottles, and making yarn and turning it back into clothing or turning it into clothing because uh, I have previously really voiced my opinion about this, especially towards companies that actually encourages the use of single-use plastic water bottles to increase their recycling numbers. So I thought I would just give you guys a little bit of a thing about that. And obviously, there is a massive distinction for me between recycling PPE, which, you know, we're using now because of COVID a lot more versus recycling PET bottles and turning that into yarn and into clothing. So full disclosure on that. So let's dig into our guest. So our guest today has got over 15 years of experience in the medical sales And he's currently the VP of the Business Development for Lifecycle Revive, which is a sustainable PPE supply chain and Canada's first circular economy-based industry on used medical textiles. Lifecycle takes medical waste, reduces it to plastic pallets, and transforms it into new PPE. And they are currently working with 12 others worldwide to recycle PPE in the future, also globally. Crazy birds, without any further ado, I would like to welcome Andy Streisfeld. Thank you for having me. It's a, it's a great thrill. You're most welcome. So, Andy, how did your sustainable journey actually start? It started actually um, on the last day of training seven years ago in Atlanta, Georgia. I was I was working as a medical sales rep, and the last seminar was the company's sustainability message. And the gentleman who was teaching it said, "You know, our masks, our gowns, everything we sell is recyclable. So why don't you get out there and spread that message?" And as a as a sales rep, I you know you go out there, you try to sell units, you try to sell products, you try to sell quality. And then like when nobody cares anymore, then it was like, hey, you know, we're recyclable. And then the conversations came. And then we would attend trade shows and doctors and nurses would come to me and say, hey, tell me more about your your recycling message, your sustainability message. And I went right into it and I dug in and I, and I said, you know something? 
I really like what we're doing here. I really like that, you know, we are, we're standing behind the product and I want to stand behind that product. So I want to be the best possible sustainable person I can be. And then prior to COVID, we were on a, on a, a streak. We went to a nurses conference in Halifax, Nova Scotia, Canada. We had a room that was des designated for 75 nurses. They ended up moving us to the plenary, 300 people, because this message was the most important message. People didn't really care about procedure. They didn't care about, you know, the latest trinket. They wanted to learn all about recycling. So on the fly, we were there. And then, and I was so happy to, to, to be part of that. And then COVID pretty much uh, sealed the fate for sustainability here in Canada. And I stepped up and said, okay, we need to take care of this now on a national level. Oh, wow. Jeez. For me, recycling is so important, but I mean, I'm not in the medical industry. So when I do go to the doctor and, you know, they are using a clean set of gloves when they work with each patient, it's like, oh, okay, that's good. But wow, that's a lot of waste. But it's this fine balance about how many times can you actually use those gloves before someone else gets infected or something? So it's really, really important to stay with those protocols as well. But yeah, it, it, it does break my heart to know that so much medical waste is generated. So when I um, came to know about what you guys are doing, I was really excited to to see that, you know, there, there might be some solutions to this problem that we're having. And Life Cycle Revive, that's exactly what you guys are doing. You are recycling all of this medical waste, or well, some, some of that. What exactly is Life Cycle Revive? So Life Cycle Revive is a unification of four partners. I want to call ourselves the Recycling Avengers. Okay, <laughs> so, so what happened was in April of last year, the U.S. border was shut down and we couldn't get medical supplies anymore. So a lot of people were talking amongst the trades. A gentleman by the name of Nat Halabi came on the scene and asked me, hey, will you be a consultant? I'm going to get a government contract to make gowns. And then I, I helped him. And then we, we went on and a lady by the name of Lena Bowden and her partner, Carmina the Young, they were a, a, a success story in southern Ontario where they were a, um, a sustainable fashion manufacturer making clothes who had retooled to make gowns. And they had come on board with NAD to do their, uh, their thing. And then um, while I was visiting to, to give consulting, I noticed the piles of loose scrap fabric, polypropylene all over the place. And they were shoving them into black garbage bags. I said, well, what are you going to do with this? We're going to we're going to throw it away in the garbage. Oh, no, 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 no. So I said, well, I, I picked up the phone and I called a recycler guy. I knew Kurt Staley. I said, Kurt, can you do something with these scraps? He says, sure, I can. So within a couple of months, all four of us banded together like the Avengers. <laughs> and we created Lifecycle Revive. And Lifecycle Revive is Canada's premier, if not first, circular economy in PPE. So let me explain. There are a lot of people that will take polypropylene gowns masks, gloves, whatever, they'll turn them into things like totes or, or bags or even, you know, plastic lumber for furniture. We're taking old masks, gloves, whatever it may be, we're throwing them into a gigantic machine that will spit out plastic pellets on the other side. And those pellets will be put into another machine that will make fabric and then rinse and repeat. It's going to be a circular economy. It will not go to landfill because it will be constantly 
going through the process where it's going to be refreshed with new plastics. And that's where we have our circular economy. And this is our little bit to keep the stuff out of the landfill. Oh, wow. And I mean, yeah, like you've mentioned, you know, since last year, April, when COVID really was in a lot of other places, the pandemic really got real, you know, um, globally. So, I mean, we've seen such a drastic increase in medical waste. And there's many people that wear a disposable mask every single day as well, you know, that's not necessarily working at a hospital. And I had to go to hospital twice in the last year just, you know, for for a checkup and stuff. And every single time when I pitched up with my reusable mask, I was told, no, 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 put it in your bag. You need to wear a new clean mask. And that was every single time. So there was a lot more PPE that was actually being used during this, you know, with millions of people being faced with COVID. So can you talk us through, like, what would the normal procedure be like? Would people just at the hospitals, would they just throw their PPE away to go to landfill? Like, does it go to a certain, like, medical waste facility where there's a treatment or something beyond that? But Talk us through what would happen if Lifecycle Revive was not there yet. So before COVID and now after COVID or during COVID, whichever you want to call it, sadly, the, the chain was the same. If you would visit a hospital or a dental facility or even a veterinary facility for all your little furry babies, right, there would be this waste, gowns. Uh, masks, bufad caps, booties, whatever you want to call them. And all these things would be thrown into a garbage bag, even though they were clean. You know, we use a statistic here um, in Canada, and it's probably the same statistic in Australia as well, where 80% of the waste is formed in a hospital. Okay. But 80% of the waste in the operating room is all clean because it's done before the patient ever comes in the room. And what happens is, is that pl- that's the plastic that we search for. And unfortunately, that plastic ends up in garbage. So in the old days, you would visit a friend in a facility or a dental facility or whatever it may be. They'd make you wear one of those yellow things, you know, isolation gowns. And then what would you do? You'd roll up in a ball and you throw it in a garbage bag or a garbage bin. And somebody would take it and throw it into a bigger garbage bin. And that's how it would go. What we're trying to do is we're trying to tell people, look, there's a difference between contaminated waste and this type of stuff. Uh, taking a, a ball and throwing it into a garbage bin when you can easily put it into a recycling bin is much easier and much better. You know, the technology has evolved now. Like, you know, Kimberly Clark has a glove recycling program. People should be sending their used gloves there because they turn them into something. We're trying to get everything that's that's polypropylene or polyethylene or poly whatever, you know, um, into, into our stream and, and get that out, off the landfill. I know of other people in Canada and and internationally who are hitting the PVC and vinyl, you know? So there seems to be a better, I would say a better movement towards keeping stuff out of landfill, but we're still not there yet. We still need more entrepreneurs. We still need more like-minded people in society to actually make this work. Yeah. Oh, wow. And I mean, the environmental impact that all of that waste has, because if a lot of them was going to landfill, you know, that's, that's just going to be around there for like who knows how long. It can be reused and put into something else. So if you can maybe just talk us through like what is some of these environmental impacts that that all of this has if it just goes to a landfill or, you know, worse, ends up in an environment somewhere. 
Well, you know, the, the, no one ever thought that the the masks would make it into the into the oceans and into the beaches and the forests. But this is just the complacency in, in in regards to human beings not caring about the environment. But what we're talking about is 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 clearly that all these plastics they leach into the ground, they leach into the water table, they leach into the environment, they raise greenhouse gases. These are the natural reasoning behind why we need to stop this and why we need to do stuff. The conversion of of um, recyclables to pellets to to make new products is a, it's it's not only an economic um, but it's also an environmental paradigm. It's living off the, the the bones of the animal, right? Like you know, you make soup out of the bones. So what's happening here is that as long as you're not you know reintroducing more waste into society or into the environment we should be able to to turn around some of the stuff that's been harming the environment. Yeah. Oh, wow. And I mean, a lot of these masks that we are seeing, like with beach cleans up, cleanups, and you, it, it just appears everywhere. I don't necessarily think that is the hospitals that decided, oh, I'm, I'm going to em- empty a bag in, in the river or in the ocean. That's typically people that's now wearing these masks and just dispose of them wherever they want. Yeah, so guys, please don't dispose of your mask that way. And um, another tip that people have said, if you have to have a use like a disposable mask and there's nothing that you can do if you go to the doctor, for example, you know, at least just cut the little strings that goes around the ears because that gets really tied up in some of this uh, wildlife and can really cause them to actually die. So it's it's such a such an impact and it's such a thing that, you know, it's so much bigger than us. And I didn't realize that when we start using these masks that that's going to be the, the issue. But if you look at the same with plastic pollution and everything, it ends up somewhere. And, you know, we need to kind of look take better care of of this and that's really great that you guys are actually bringing the circular economy in it's amazing and how do you guys so we've got these these bags or I think you guys do boxes as well right where people can drop it in so you've got all of this and now you're collecting it from the hospital like what is that process can you take us through that we're all we're collecting from the hospital we're collecting it from the public we're collecting it from the manufacturing. We've we decided to target the three most the the, three, the the trinity, right? The people who buy the product, the people who make the product, the people who use the product, and then we go with that. So this box is um, you know a nice cardboard box, and in Canada it's bilingual English and French. It's got icons all over the place, so you can't mistake and put a sandwich in there, you know, thinking it's a garbage bin. Uh, and and pretty much it has a prepaid label stuck to the to the box. And when the box is full, they seal the box with a sticker. So there's there's no thing coming out the top. And the courier picks up the thing and brings it to our facility. Once it gets to our facility, we um, we take it, we scan it, we see what's in it. We make sure there's nothing crazy in there. And then it goes through a disinfection line. And then it goes through an automated or manual process where we remove those little those little ties, we remove the aluminum, and then it goes into this gigantic magical mystery machine that eats 3,500 pounds of plastic an hour and spits out pellets on the other side. The pellets are boxed and they are either shipped to our facility to make uh, gowns or fabric, or they're shipped to other customers in Canada who are in the PPE business who want, you know, cheap domestic made stuff because, you know, we're trying to make a Canada economy and we're trying to make an economic economy. 
Oh, wow. That's fantastic. And so basically the same stuff, the same PPE can get recycled again and again, again. And that's obviously why it's called a circular economy. <laughs> we have a, we have a, a, you know, you guys would call him a chemical engineer. We call him a plastic brewmeister. And he has told us that he could at least do 15 cycles. But of just if let's say the same thing just kept coming back, the plastic could go 15 times. But when you figure that the plastic will come back with other plastics, it will be constantly refreshed. So then it's like, it, it just it just lives forever. You know, just move on. That's amazing. So you guys are currently just collecting the waste in Canada or in other countries as well? As you know, uh, we're still on a, on a lockdown here in Canada. So there's certain provinces that we can't even reach right now. The border to the U.S. is still closed, um, even though there is a better government uh, mind shift in, in regards to how we do things. Uh, believe it or not, I have had inquiries from New Zealand and Australia, and I said, the minute we can board a flight, we'll come down and teach you guys how to how to do this. It's uh, it's 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 really an interesting thing. I think we we need to band together, and what we need to do is create a, a network of environmental entrepreneurs, people who are willing to to create industry, but to create industry with the purpose of serving the environment. I think this is where we need to be, and I think this is our next revolution. This is where the world will reclaim what we have really done bad to the, to the world this a chance to make it up there's just so much that you guys are doing the pellets so that's all manufactured in canada so basically this whole process at the moment is in canada so the new ppe that's being manufactured is that also in canada yes so the canadian geography is that toronto is located in the center of the province of ontario our pellet making facility is one hour south of that in Brantford, Ontario. And then our fabric making is one hour to the west of that in London, Ontario. And that, and it's a it's a triangle, actually. So it's the it's the golden triangle. So we have hospitals in that golden triangle. We have manufacturers of PPE goods in that in that golden triangle. And um and it makes sense to to be there. And that's what we do. And then when when we have taken care of our house, you know, like if for those of you who remember the days of flying in the airplane, you know, and they say if the oxygen mask should drop, you need to put it on you first before you help somebody else. So, you know, we'll put the mask on and then we'll try to help others. So there we go. That's so great. And it's really wonderful that other countries are also kind of looking at this now because it is a problem if like, I don't know how long COVID's going to be around and, you know, how long we going to be wearing these masks. And obviously when we look at the hospitals, well, the hospitals would be able to use this even long after COVID because they're still going to use all of these PPE items. So it's great that that's being rolled out, hopefully to, to more countries. So hopefully we'll, we'll see it in Australia and some of our other crazy birds countries as well. We kind of briefly touched on the boxes that you do. So how does that work? So is it a paid service? So people would pay, then they get the box and then they send it back. Like what TerraCycle, I know a lot of our listeners might be familiar with TerraCycle because we had them on our podcast as well. Is it kind of similar to that process or how does that work? It's very similar to TerraCycle in the sense that the, the, the initial box is a paid box with a courier service. But... I've gone one step further. Look, you know, um, I like to think of myself as a modern day Santa Claus. So the point is a lot of facilities like school boards or uh, long-term care facilities for the aged, 
or even or even certain retail chains. I, I try to make the argument, if you can make my life easier to pick up the boxes, I won't sell you the boxes. I'll give you the boxes for free. Because at the end of the day, the making of the plastic is what pays for, for us, right? The government gives us money and says, look, you cannot lose money but you're allowed to make a small amount of money. So that small amount of money is enough to keep everybody happy and machinery running and, and everybody makes a, makes a wage and everybody's happy. The boxes are just an ends to a means. So like I said, like TerraCycle, if we're doing a remote area and uh, we can't reach that area, then the courier service is paid for in that number. The labor for the disinfection line to make sure that nobody gets sick from the stuff is covered in that box. But with school boards, we've made it. We've made a, a a deal with them. We've said, "Look, tell you what, have the janitors empty the garbage bins every day into a gigantic cardboard box, and we'll come and pick up that cardboard box for free of charge." You know, we'll make a route so it doesn't cost us a lot of money to go to fifteen different places, and that's what we've done. So, like I said, we try to do this on the cheap because we're not trying to make this. We're not trying to make a, a dollar off the box. What we're trying to do is we're trying to to reach the goal of eliminating this stuff from landfill. And sometimes you just need to bite the bullet and say, "Look, I'm going to do something aggressive," and that's what I'm doing. And that's what that's what we're doing right now. Oh wow, that's fantastic! And I mean, Andy, we kind of talked about medical waste and PPE. But what exactly is that medical waste and PPE that you guys can recycle? So we're not including like a whole bunch of needles or, you know, I don't know if someone had a really bloody, bloody gown, does that go in there or kind of just tell us what exactly is it that can be recycled with you guys? Mariska, the funny thing is that this is an evolution. I just received a call yesterday from a company here in Southern Ontario that said, tell you what we're going to do. We're going to take all the bloodied stuff and we're going to run it through a sterilizer and we're going to give you a certificate showing that it's been sterilized. Can you take our stuff? I said, yeah, I guess if if you sterilize it and I get a certificate and make sure nobody gets hepatitis B, sure, why not? Let's do it. So as it stands right now, we, we go with the following. If you are in a retail store or in the public, then put your mask or your, your beard cover or whatever it is, put that in the box. Let me take that away from you. That we know we can handle because we have a disinfection machine. If you are in a hospital, then I've told you on the box, I'll take your sterile wrap, I'll take your clean gowns, I'll take whatever is on that box. There's a list of things that we'll take and we'll work with you towards the future to get stuff. Look, I, I, there was a, a radio piece that we did here in Canada. I, I want to address it in this, in this note because um, it goes to one of your questions about your um, your, your birds. So... There is gold in the garbage. People don't realize this, but there's gold in the garbage. Even in, in domestic garbage, there's gold in the garbage. And we need to start reclaiming that garbage. We need to start reclaiming the stuff in the landfill, eliminating that, building an economic uh, in, environmental industry that will support the idea of reclaiming these, these things. And then when we do that, we're going to be able to solve a lot of the questions that we ever had. Like, I don't know how it is in, in Australia, but I believe we both share social medicine where we pay it from our taxes. So imagine here in Canada, we complain that every year our taxes are going towards health and there's no return from it. Well, let's face it, we're paying for these gowns and for these masks and these surgical drapes and stuff. And what are we doing? We're paying waste haulers to take it away from a hospital. When we can go to the hospital and say, hey, listen, I'll come and pick it up for free 
and I'll take it away from you and I'll manufacture it into something that you can use and you can buy at a cheaper price than buying it from China or whatever it may be. And that is what we should be focusing on. We should be saying, look, governments should say, you want to tax somebody? Great. Tax this new industry. You want to save the environment? Support this new industry. And that is what I think we're, we're missing here. Like I said, you can, we can process needles, no problem. We can process the aluminum in the uh, in the masks. That's what we're, we're ripping out of the masks, right? But I think at the end of the at the end of the day, the the rank and file hospital customer or the re- retail customer or even the manufacturer has to understand, like, look, you cannot throw this stuff in the garbage, even though people say you have to, you shouldn't. You should be recycling it. That's fantastic, and I mean that you guys are also just growing to accommodate more stuff and. I always love to refer to our waste as it's actually a resource that is misplaced because that that for me is exactly what waste is. Um, you know, people people tend to think that this plastic bottle, even e-waste, oh my gosh, the amount of valuable stuff that's in that and people just sometimes discard that into the normal landfill. So it's great to know that you guys are kind of looking after that so we did we did cover like how many times your PPE and medical waste can actually be recycled. So that's quite exciting to know that, you know, that gown or that mask might be something else in the future and could protect someone else. So that's that's really wonderful. So if anyone might be interested in having their like PPE or medical waste recycled, like kind of what is the best way that they can actually contact you? Okay, well, I'm on LinkedIn and I'm on Twitter. My name, Andy Streisfeld, and you'll find me. Our website is lifecyclerevive.ca. You can go on there. There's a contact page which you just fill it with your name and your email and your phone number. And uh, I'll definitely reach out to you. Um, you know, like I said, I'm I'm a, I'm a public citizen now, so it's very easy to find me. Uh, I, like I said, I don't want to give you my phone number because I won't take long distance calls, but <laughs> definitely go through the website, lifecyclerevive, one word. .ca. You get to see our explainer videos. You get to see all our our um, stuff. We are trying to work um, with um, Australian-based plastics people. Like I said, there's a, there's a really good momentum right now that we're trying to do. I'm hoping that if you invite me back to your show later on, I'll be able to tell you that we've actually arrived in in, in Australia and and we can do stuff. And like I said, I'm I'm actually calling out to any plastics person who wants to be part of this. Call me. Reach me. Any citizen who wants to be part of this, call me or reach me. And we'll definitely do this. We'll do this on WhatsApp. We'll do this on LinkedIn. We'll do this wherever you want to do it. One is I don't want to be preachy and I don't want to, I don't want to sound, you know, anti-democratic or whatever it is. I'm a socialist at heart, but at the same time, I care about the environment and I care about people succeeding in what we do here. I think the the call to arms, and I think we'll probably do it in, in the standard questions, is the call to arms is that I'm a geek and I like movie quotes. So I'm going to give you a movie quote. At the beginning of the movie, a fellow Australian, Russell Crowe, in, in The Gladiator, addresses the troops. And he says, he says, what you do today echoes into eternity. And that's, this is what has driven me in my mission. In my, and, and I call it a mission because we're, we're, I, I consider COVID a war. And we are going through a war right now. And the same way that the Australians and the Canadians fought very well in two major wars, we are fighting very well today in this war against COVID. This environmental thing that we're doing right now is going to save the world. You know, in World War II, they talked about the arsenal of democracy. 
how we were building ships and planes so we could beat the naughty Nazis. Well, now we're, we're fighting COVID. And I think right now we're looking at the arsenal of environmentalism. We have to help Mother Earth. We have to help Mother Gaia get where it has to be. And I'm calling out, you know, like, you know, in, in, in the U.S., there was Uncle Sam and he would point his finger at you and he says, we need you. Yes, we do. We need you. And wherever my voice is going, you need to be there. We have to be, you have to be called upon, you are. And you have to be counted, and you are. A lot of times we think that our voice doesn't matter or whatever action it is that we're taking today, that doesn't matter. But there's so much that we can actually do. And, you know, something that you might be doing today affects 10 or 20 other people. And it just has this ripple effect that, you know, continues. So guys, never think that your voice does not matter. Let's like make a difference. Even if it's small, the smallest step forward is still a step forward. So Andy, what has been one of your most important decisions that you've made around Mama Earth? Well, first of all, I think leaving my job and going into this was the, the testament, even the final testament in committing myself to this mission for Mother Earth. But I think um, over the years, I've been awakened by recycling. I've tried to live in a green home. I've tried to green my my family and the way we live our, our lives. So you know, composting and 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 recycling bottles and making sure that uh, we do we waste not right. So that I think is the is the the major thing that I have made my devotion to mother to Mother Earth. Oh, awesome. Okay, well, Andy, we are going to move into our final five. So the first one is, what is one social media account or publication that you follow? I follow LinkedIn. I really do like to see things change and, and companies do things for the betterment of people. So I do follow LinkedIn a lot. And is there anyone in particular that you follow? You know, I followed Tom Zasky from TerraCycle for a while. And oh, he's amazing. Yes, and then I and then I started just following uh, other people like uh, Tim Tebow or Barack Obama or others who who come across um, periodically to talk about stuff, right? So awesome. And what is your hope for Mama Earth going forward? That we will st we'll stop treating her badly, and that we will actually turn the clock, and we'll actually get to a point where we can sustain ourselves and respect Mama Earth as well. And what advice can you give our crazy birds this week to actually help out Mama Earth? Well, let's let's start until until we can come down there and work together on boxes. I'd say create your own boxes. Um, try it at home. Try it at your place of work if uh, if you guys are doing it. And then, like I said, from then on, at least we know that those boxes, nothing's going to go to landfill, and uh, you'll be doing your your part to keep the masks out of the waterways and the beaches and the forests and the and the jungles. And what is one sustainability fact that you like to use in a room with people not yet on a sustainable journey? 80% of waste happens in the hospitals. Of the hospitals, of that, and once you're in a hospital, 80% happens in the operating room. So if you think about it is that we think that it's companies that pollute. We think that it's, it's, it's us doing bad things, but it's the place that we go to take care of our health that's actually hurting the environment. So let's try to green those types of facilities first and make it better. And then we'll be saving, we'll be saving Mama Earth. I love that. And like I always, when I get like a, whether it's an injection or whether I have to go and draw blood, every single time I just say like when they 
preparing everything. I'm just like, I don't need a band-aid. Just like spare one thing because you're going to do the cotton wool anyway. I can just like hold on for it for a few minutes and it'll be okay. I don't need a band-aid. So yeah, we can we can all find ways how we can also help them to reduce waste if possible. And Andy, where can people actually find you? Well, if you, if you physically want to find me, you'll find me in the, in the town of Brantford, Ontario. If you get to Toronto, take take the drive down the highway one hour south to Brantford. But like I said, you can find me on LinkedIn. You can find me on Twitter. You can actually try to find me on Facebook. I, I usually hide it in Facebook. I don't I don't really address people on Facebook. Like I said, our website, um, my website, lifecyclerevive.ca. Uh, soon I'll be doing podcasting. So then there will be a podcasting site site for me. But in the meantime, I think right now, these are the three places you can find me. Awesome. And we are going to link all of that up for our crazy birds in the show notes. So head over there and you can just click on it and hopefully it directs you or it will direct you to Andy. Andy, thank you so much for being such an amazing guest on the podcast. And it was really interesting to see how we can turn hospital waste into actually gold and well not really gold but it's going to be worth like gold to create more PPE from that so thank you so much for the work that you guys are doing really appreciate that thank you for having me and thank you for giving me the opportunity to speak to your birds and 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 I, and I hope we can do this again sometime you're most welcome and that's a wrap huge thank you for our amazing guest for being on the podcast and for sharing their journey with us you can find the show notes of this episode on the mamaearthtalk.com's website. The biggest thank you goes out to all of you crazy birds for listening to the podcast. If you have not already listened to all of the episodes, you can go back to a few of them. You will absolutely love them. I really enjoyed recording every single one of them. And I really hope that you enjoy listening to them. There's over a hundred episodes. So if you feel a little bit lost on which one to listen to next, maybe select one of the episodes with guests that you might want to know more of and start from there. If you enjoy the episodes, why not tell a friend about the podcast and maybe share an episode with them? Let them know that we are here and we are waiting for them with open arms and they are all very welcome to join the crazy birds globally. If you have a question for me, please send them over. The best place would probably be a DM on Instagram at Design by Mariska or pop me an email at hello at mamaearthtalk.com. If there's a particular guest or topic that you would like to hear on the podcast, let me know. I love to hear from all you crazy birds. New episodes are uploaded every second Monday. So make sure to subscribe that you do not miss a thing. Mama Earth has a voice and it's us crazy birds.